0: We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we
1: give. We grow when we give.
0: Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Today's guest is a legit Top Gun. John Ramstead is a former combat Navy fighter pilot who went on to fly combat missions in Iraq and was selected to attend Top Gun. After his Navy career, he became a serial entrepreneur, was a part of three tech startups, and also managed a Fortune 500 company. John's leadership prowess and life experience, including his life-altering accident, which resulted in 25 surgeries, has led him to set a new vision for how to live a life of significance. Since then, John is a keynote speaker, a trainer, a leadership coach, and an international podcast host of a weekly show, Eternal Leadership, which was named the top 12 podcast leaders need to listen to by Inc. Magazine. We are grateful for his service to our country and honored to have him here today. He models the return on generosity and what he calls leading beyond influence. He'll share with us the power of asking for help and how to constantly seek ways of making a positive impact.
1: Big, warm ROG welcome to you, John. Shannon, thank you so much. You're just an amazing person. Uh, I really admire you, and I'm really excited to be here and get to spend some time with you and your, your whole audience today.
0: Oh, awesome. Thanks, John. Me too. I've been really looking forward to this. So your company is called Leadership Beyond Influence. Let's start there. What does that mean to you?
1: The thing about people, Shannon, that have had just that major impact in your life, maybe they just said that one word that showed that where you maybe started to believe your potential or they mentored you. It could have been a coach or a parent. And I think about some of those people in my life that have had just a profound influence in who I am. And I started thinking, you know what, the people that I got to mentor and lead in business, that I got to develop and launch into their potential, they benefited from the influence that somebody they don't even know has. Mm. And that is the essence of leading beyond influence. How do we lead? And I think of leadership as having that, you know, that positive impact and influence on other. How do we do that in such a way that they then go do that in their sphere of influence? I know you talk a lot about generosity. Imagine just how this flows out. So everybody listening, you guys probably know how awesome Shannon is. So here's an example of Shannon's life. I have no doubt in the last year you have had a positive impact or influence on at least 100 people, minimum. You have on me. And what if those hundred people, because of that spirit, maybe what you equipped them with, you did some coaching with them, those hundred people touch a hundred people's lives over the next year, What seems very realistic, right? Mm-hmm. We're now at 10,000 people. And what if 10,000 people then touch another hundred people? Right. That's a million people. So here's what I think, honestly, everything that we're seeing in the world today, the strife, the division, the conflict can honestly be solved by each one of us getting in touch with who we are at our best. And when we're on that journey, even when we have a, you know, get a little frustrated sometimes and we can just help people around us just become a little bit better. um, I think we could literally change the culture of this country in a very short period of time. And that's what Beyond Influence is.
0: Yes, that is what it means to lead beyond influence. I love that, and to start with ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. very often we recognize the needs that the world has, and it's overwhelming. But what you're reminding us of is if we start with ourselves and we take responsibility for how we're leading, and recognizing, I love that ripple effect that you're describing—that it goes so far beyond what we could ever measure.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I think we underestimate the power of one person. We either we either make things around us better uh, or we make things worse. I don't I don't think there's really I don't really believe in a status quo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, a friend of mine when I first got out of the military and was getting into business what he said with what one of the things he's from the south he's from Texas he said, "John, if you're green, you're growing and if you're ripe, you're rotten." And I'm like, "What?" He's like, yeah, you're either only getting better and making things around you better or you are getting worse and making people or, and you're pulling people down that are around you. There yeah. really is no such thing as just being on a plateau. That actually is is a myth. You know, I do a lot of work with leaders, Chan, and I know you do too. Like, you know, a period of time, like what we're going through right now, and I think one of the most important things that I'm working with my clients on and everything is their people. Mm every you know they're not going to really remember how you ran the zoom meeting or how you communicated or you know the decisions that you made they're going to look on this period of time right now and they're going to remember whether you cared about them whether you were interested in them both professionally and personally and everything else mm-hmm. and in doing that we're going to either strengthen our relationships and emerge from this as an organization stronger -hmm. Or we're gonna we're going to not focus on that and emerge from this weekend, Mm. especially as an organization. If we look at our people, we look at our cultures. We just include this. uh, This includes our family. Yes. Right. How did I handle this as a dad? How did I handle this as a husband? How did I handle this with some of my close friends? Right. Was I stressing out? Was I needy? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's times when I've been panicked. I mean, my, you know, in the spring when this happened, our business absolutely got pancaked. Yes, mine too. And I told Don, I said, stop spending. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, seriously, I don't, you know, I don't want to be taking money out of our savings account. And then within a week, we had all three of my kids, my daughter-in-law, my grandson, and my two dogs, me and my wife. So, we had seven people. Our house isn't that big. Um, all living here for four months. I mean, my grocery bill Was I mean, that was my retirement plan was my grocery bill for four months. Um, I mean, it's funny,
0: not funny, right? I mean, it's all of a sudden like, yeah, I love these people, but I didn't realize that they would be all under my roof and
1: in my care. So I had a choice to make. Do I just trust God? Do I trust there's a plan? Do I just keep every day coming down here to this desk and just figuring out what is the one thing I need to focus on today? And while I'm doing that, make my family a priority because here's how Don and I looked at this, right? Because our kids are adults. They're 23, 21. And then we have one 17-year-old here. And we looked at this as this amazing opportunity for our family to reconnect. Mm-hmm. We started cooking meals together. We'd watch MasterChef and try to replicate a dish as a family. We'd, we'd play games. We'd go for walks. We were all in this. We never had one argument. I really think that that four months brought our family together in a way that we're going to look back on our entire lives and that is going to be just a foundational piece that just strengthened our relationships to a point that they'll I feel personally that they will never break. So I am honestly so grateful for that that I'll put up with all this other stuff and there's been a lot of stress and ups and downs and things like that but and I know you you think this way too you kind of have this abundance place, right you think you know you're very hopeful. And I got to tell you, that has really served me well. And I get a chance to model that to my kids because guess what? There's going to be a time when I'm not here. could be 20, 30 years from now and they're going to go through some kind of significant adversity. They're going to get flattened. You know, I've been flattened. I've had businesses fail underneath me because of the economy in the past. Mm-hmm. I've had major health challenges and you know what people in our lives watch how we go through these things.
0: Yes. And that is the leading beyond influence as well, right? That, that mm-hmm. the legacy or the modeling that you have put out there, it gives people an example of how to manage a setback, how to still show up, how to prioritize the things that you say you value most even when you're in crunch time and you could get into that stress mode of, of, you know, using your own strength and determination to be the only reason that you get through something. Um, So you mentioned about, you know, your time in the Navy and you were a combat Navy fighter pilot and you went on to fly combat missions in Iraq and selected to attend Top Gun. So could you tell us a little bit about that, John? And like, how has that, influenced your life?
1: That was one of the most fun, exciting, and terrifying times in my entire life. I graduated college in 88, Top Gun came out in 86. So, you can imagine when I got selected to go to flight school, which was like winning the lottery, literally. Um, we were told at the time that because of the popularity of the movie, that only one out of every 10,000 people that applied would actually get to fly a fighter. I'm like, oh, man. Well, okay. Well, so I got into flight school, so I have to win the lottery twice in a row. Like, yeah. but my dad, he saw that I was, you know, kind of really nervous and feeling stressed about this. I just graduated college. He said, John, listen, here's what you do. When you get down to Pensacola, Naval Air Station, Pensacola, where they do a primary flight training, there's going to be somebody everybody's talking about. He's going to be a student. He's going to be the ace of the base. And you need to find this guy. and ask him what he's doing. And if he'll share with you, you have to be willing to put in, I'll guarantee he's probably doing some extra work. I'm like, okay, dad, thanks. Great, right? Kind of forgot about it until I get down to Pensacola and everybody's talking about this guy, John Foster, who's crushing it. Nobody's ever seen this. This guy's going to be like the next, you know, captain of the Blue Angels. And I approached him, I said, John, could I, you know, could we grab a beer? I'd love to hear about what you're doing. You know what he said? He goes, I'd love to. Nobody's ever asked me. Uh. What? And he sat down and Shannon, he shared with me everything that he was doing. You know, I was an engineer in college, right? It was so counterintuitive how, to how I would have approached studying and training if it had been on my own to flight school. And I ended up graduating number one and getting my choice to fly the F-14 out of Virginia Beach. That was my number one choice and I got it. And, and I credit that, like talk about somebody else that's leading beyond influence, right? That yes. I, I did put in the work. But I credit John for creating something that was unique and sharing it. My whole life I keep seeking out whether it's in my faith, running a nonprofit, whether it's in business, mm-hmm. marriage. I'm yes. constantly seeking either mentors or education or training opportunities to help me learn what other people who are way better at things than me are. Mm-hmm. And that has served me my whole life. So that's one story that That's came a beautiful to mind from play story, school. John.
0: And it's also an in- an example of your pursuit to stay green, to stay growing, and to always be sharpening your saw. There's so many examples in your life where you could have just said, check it out. I got here. This is it. And instead you say, how can I be even better? How can I make even more of an impact? Which is a very generous thing to do. And I think that your example here is such an illustration of generosity at work, like an individual who was willing to share his secret sauce with you. And I love that you were the first person to ask him to do that. To me, it's a great example of that we don't ask. Very often we think that people are not accessible or that nobody's willing to help us. But I think it's what a better question is, have I asked? Have I been seeking help?
1: So, you know, part of it is I love that you, you just brought something up that's new for me because it's probably not really how I was wired. And I know a lot of the young leaders I work with right now, this is not like their normal mode. But remember, my dad said, go find that guy and ask him what he's doing and then do it. And I remember on the phone telling my dad, I found the guy. Everybody's talking about this guy, John. And he said, well, when are you getting together with him? I'm like, yeah, well, you know. So, Thank goodness! Now that I think about it, my dad just asked a simple question: When are you getting together with him? You know who he is now.
0: You know the, the the memory you have of your dad here and his role in this is a great example of accountability.
1: I read a book recently that was absolutely phenomenal, and I we implemented the whole thing in an entire company. It was New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. So I wrote him uh, through his website an email saying, "Hey, thank you so much. This is what it meant to me. This is what it means for my team." so appreciate you. If you ever have 15 minutes, I would just love to have a conversation. I know you get these requests all the time and I understand that. Do you know he got back with me within two hours? I was actually quite blown away. And then he came on my podcast and we did, now we've done three different episodes on the podcast. Just because I just made that, right, that back. outreach, not really expecting anything back. I really wanted to thank him and just say, hey, what if? Yeah. And he said, yes.
0: When we come back, John will share his observations of what he thinks most people are really like. If you had more time in your day, what would you do with it? Listening to podcasts might not be the first thing you think of. Maybe that's because you're thinking podcasts take too much time to listen to. But what if there were podcasts designed with your time in mind? Podcasts that spoke to you, podcasts that you could listen to in short segments. We've put together podcasts exactly like that. The Quad Pod Network is coming soon. Check out QODPOD.com for more details. And we're back with more from John Ramstead.
1: Having worked all over the world with people from virtually every culture, every background, every religion, Here's what I observed about people in general is, A, they have a good heart. B, they want to do good work. C, they want to be liked and have healthy relationships. And they want to help because sometime in their life, somebody helped them. Hmm. And even some of those people that I just disagree with, don't like, don't get along with. Shannon, I always try to approach every conversation or process the interaction from the lens that, you know what, there is a really good person in there Mm -hmm. and something has happened to push that down. Mm -hmm. And you know what, I need to give them the grace that I'd want them to give me Mm -hmm. if maybe I was showing up that way.
0: Um, So when you were talking about these individuals who you reached out to with, with genuine appreciation for their work and how that was a floodgate that opened up with a new relationship with them and things that you benefited from. And it, it started with gratitude.
1: It really did. If somebody is willing to mentor you, mm-hmm. I think the, the role of a mentee, if that's the right word, sure, it is. If you really want that relationship to grow, I think the best way to show gratitude to somebody is let's say, Shannon, you share with me, you mentor me, and you give me some advice on how to approach something. Yeah. And then I get back and I, and then I go do it. And then I go back to you and I say, Shannon, thank you. You gave me this advice. This is what I did with it. I either did it well, I didn't do it well, or, you know, and here's what I learned. Here was the outcome. But thank you so much for that. That was awesome. What are your thoughts on what happened there? You know, just staying in touch and and reporting back to people. I had a very specific question with that person I reached out to, that author, about an area that I was trying to implement from his book that I was struggling with. And we had a short conversation, and I and I said I have one question for you. If I say no to some of these different things in my life, which in your book, you know, if you say no to one thing, you're saying yes and giving yourself an opportunity. But if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And I'm really having struggles, really setting that priority because we have so much going on. And he really helped me narrow that down. Hmm. So I I put that into action, and then what I did. Is I wrote him, and you're good at this too, Shannon. I wrote him a handwritten note about what that meant, what I had done with it, and the outcome that had meant for both me and my team. That is what opened the door to start a relationship with somebody, was me thanking him for that short period of time, getting some information from him, taking action and reporting back. Right. So it's it's these little steps in building a relationship because he, he doesn't owe me anything. I'm just somebody sitting here in Colorado in his, you know, home office right. trying to make something happen, build a, a sure. small business. So but so
0: thoughtful in your approach to it. It wasn't generic, it wasn't solicitation. And the investment of time in handwriting a note, putting a real stamp on it, and walking it to your mailbox is appreciated that investment of time, which doesn't seem that significant, but it's so meaningful and very rare.
1: (laughs) Right? You know what it is? You want to, you know what, I'll tell you, anybody under 40 right now, you want to differentiate yourself in business and in life and in the world right now, just start writing a handwritten thank you note after you have a meeting with people and you'll be blown away at what happens. You're a leader in so many different ways, John. What
0: are some ways that you see generosity as a contributing factor to a culture and to a leader's behavioral style.
1: So let me bring you back to my early Navy career. This is where I think my spirit of generosity, which I think shows up today, almost as servant leadership. A lot of people don't understand servant leadership.
0: Yes. But here's what happened.
1: So, you know, my dad taught me this great lesson. I told you I've done it my whole life and I did. So I was in uh, my first fleet squadron, which means that I'm now actively deployed. I'm done with all my training. We're heading into the Persian Gulf for our first combat cruise. My commanding officer, his call sign was Darth for Darth Vader. Okay. You did not want to be on this guy's bad side. I'm six foot two. He was six foot four, black hair, black eyes, Vietnam veteran as a Marine combat soldier. And then, switch. I mean, this guy was the hardest boss I ever worked for, but also a guy underneath all that tough exterior, one of the biggest hearts. I was a junior officer, which means I'm brand new. And I said, you know, one of my goals is to be a commanding officer someday. And he kind of gave me that look like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I said, well, it is. And I would love your thoughts on what advice you wish somebody would have given you when you were at my stage in my career. And he sits down in his chair. He said, nobody's ever asked me that. It's two for two, John. Two for two. Here's what he shared with me, though. Everybody's trying to do something big and showy and flashy to get noticed to get that rating. He goes, here's what my advice to you. Don't do any of that. Every single day, you find somebody in this squadron, junior to you, senior to you, enlisted officer in your department or outside of your department and you do something that serves them, that helps them personally, but it also helps the squadron and the mission and what we're trying to accomplish here. And he goes, you might never get an award In accolade or even recognition, but trust me, myself, the executive officer, the lieutenant commanders, the department heads, we will notice. And what he what he said, John, is a rising tide lifts all boats. Be that guy. That right there, Shannon, for me, just so resonated, I think, with me at the core, that then that became my leadership philosophy that I brought into everything else I've ever done. If my success is built on helping those around me succeed. And I don't worry about my success, how I'm being recognized, my numbers, but it's built on my team. Yeah. What I have found is it, it we just blow it out. I was at a Fortune 100 company. We were kind of doing this weird startup inside of a Fortune 100 company. We were doing $1.8 million in revenue is the most that this little unit had ever done before. Two and a half years later, we were doing $100 million a year in revenue. And 100% of my job, and this is servant leadership, is was to help every single one of my sales reps, pre-sales engineers, project managers, client service people succeed in their job, maximize their comp plan, and get their work done without working, you know, hmm. 70, 80, 90 hours a week. When I saw my folks just working crazy hours, I'm like, okay, is there anything we can do to create efficiencies? Yes. That was me bringing that spirit of leadership that Darth taught me years prior just into a team. And they knew that my agenda, that I had laid down my agenda to serve them and their agenda. And I got to tell you, once I was at a community college here and I shared that philosophy with a room of business students. And they're like, "Uh, aren't you kind of hosing yourself by helping other people succeed? Right? And that's a mindset that's out there. It should be about me and mine. Yes. And so we had a great conversation. Why, in my opinion, you know, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but in my opinion, I have found that that might create some short-term success. But long-term in that, I've never seen anybody get to a place of joy, of of what I would call significance. Maybe you might succeed, but I don't think you're going to do it in a significant way.
0: What you're describing here about who you are is really the X factor here. It's that mm-hmm. if, if you give the best strategies to a flawed human, you're not going to get the outcomes. So the the work is about the who we are. And very often we are rewarded or we focus too much on what we're doing. Like we, we're right. doing so much so that we can have authority, we could have recognition, that we could have whatever. And then we will be enough. And then we will be worthy. And then we will be successful. So I think it's contingent on us doing so much yeah, Which we're almost
1: creating things, these dependent so. events in our life until we can actually experience life. Yeah. And that—that that is that is a cycle that will never complete itself. So you and, start and,
0: with the being first. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, here's what it took for me because, you know, after I got out of the Navy, I realized, you know what, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed when it came to business. So my, my motto became, Shannon, I'm going to just outwork everybody around me. And that's just how I approached everything. I think it's why in life and business, I was a lot of times was just miserable. Yeah. What I realized through this whole process is, you know, what I had to do is I had to slow down in order to speed up mm-hmm. the results since I've actually gone through this process and wrote a book about going through this process that I've had in the last nine years eclipse anything I've ever done prior to this point in my life. Yeah. But maybe I had to go through all this to actually figure, you know, figure this out. And my hope is maybe at my age now, uh, at 54, I can share this with some other people yes. and just accelerate their timeline to get to their potential. Yeah. Not take, you know, 30 years like, right. I'm yeah. still not there, but you know, I've I've come a long way. So, if you had one piece of advice to give
0: someone who's listening to this, who's saying, I'm getting this. I'm willing to try. I am open to doing one small thing. What would be a practical piece of advice you could give to our listeners?
1: Mm. The one thing is what's the one thing for you. And, And remember I said, I start out each day with what is that one thing I need to do today? And here's where it starts from. I would actually just look at everything in your life. A, identify maybe an issue in area that you'd like to fix an area that you'd like to prove. The second step would be then you got to own it. And say, you know what? I have that relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't get along well with this person. I'm not enjoying work and I got to own that. Now commit to taking action. Even if it's something small, Mm -hmm. set yourself up for success and just start taking little small steps forward. I love what Tony Robbins said, Shannon, you know, we, we overestimate what we can do in a year and we completely underestimate what we can do in 10 years. So realize this is not about a quick fix, like having all of a sudden being Mr. Relationship person. This is about taking a lot of small steps that builds a foundation that you just slowly build an amazing, extraordinary life on regardless of external circumstances.
0: ROG takeaway tip, how we can apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. John Ramstead is a genuine leader and person. He had so much wisdom to share that we have part two next week. Please tune in for episode 12, which will drop on Tuesday, December 29th. If we commit to one small shift, one incremental step forward, we will make significant change over time. It's the five degree principle. Several years ago, I wrote a book, The Five Degree Principle. It's a leadership fable about a leader who's overlooked for a promotion and not happy about it. The organization hires her a coach, and through that process, the lead character, Lauren, identifies the incremental changes needed to demonstrate her power. In order for change to be manageable and sustainable, it must be small. Like, handwrite a thank you note ask someone for advice. Block time in your calendar to think instead of just react. Dial into your next virtual team meeting a minute early. We are creatures of habit. In fact, 95% of our behavior is habitual behavior. 95%! Just a measly 5% of our behavior is self-regulated, conscious behavior, fondly known as willpower. Knowing this, we must clarify for ourselves, what is the five degree shift I need to make? What habit do I need to build to be the best version of myself? It could be related to your financial situation, personal relationships, physical well-being, mental health or career satisfaction. Maybe it's your congruence with your core values that need some realignment. What's the one thing for you? What's the area of your life you're least satisfied, least fulfilled with? On a scale from zero to 10, how fulfilled are you financially? Survival, savings, philanthropy, long-term retirement plans. Relationally, partners, spouse, friends, team, boss, colleagues. Physically, fitness, hydration, sleep, nutrition. Mentally, mindset, ability to focus, creativity, prioritization and planning? Recreationally, time for reading, podcasts, movies, board games. Professionally, career satisfaction, growth opportunities, ability to do work that matters. What's your one thing right now? What five-degree shift will you make this week?